0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Everybody is looking for Jesus. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Wouldn't it be great if at the doors of St. Paul and at, at every faithful church around the world, the whole town, the whole city would be lined up there to receive the eternal healing that is the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, everyone is looking for you. And that's what happens when the gospel goes forth. When the people of God preach and teach and are living the gospel and letting their lights shine to all people, people come looking for Jesus. Sometimes they come looking for him for the wrong reasons. When Jesus had fed the 5,000, they, they wanted to make him king by force. They wanted Jesus because it was to their advantage. To feed them, to make things easier for them, to kick out the Romans, whatever it might be. These folks here gathered at the, the door of the house, the whole city there, that everyone was looking for them, looking for him the next day. Why? To be well. To be free of sicknesses like the fever that left Simon's mother-in-law. Or to be freed from the oppression of a demon, of an evil spirit. Everyone's looking for you, but maybe for the wrong reasons. So Jesus had forced those demons to be silent so that everyone who would see and hear his great works would know as only he has the authority to speak. And when they come looking for him, he says, let's go on to the next town. Let's move along. My work here is done. He says, I may preach there also. That is why I have come out. And he went through all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out their demons. Jesus says, I must move on. I'm going to other cities, other towns, other places, other synagogues, other homes, other sick people, others who are oppressed by the power of sin and death and the devil. That is why I came out. We have to ask ourselves, what is exactly the that that he has come to accomplish? That is why I came out. What is that exactly, Jesus? Why have you come? And that's where it all starts to fit together. See what Jesus has been doing so far in the gospel according to St. Mark. We're only 40, we're less than 40 verses into St. Mark's gospel, and Jesus has already been baptized, met Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He has already cast out demons and has already healed. Jesus is a busy man in Mark's Gospel. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue. Because remember, last week, he had gone to the synagogue in Capernaum, and he preached that day. And they were amazed at his preaching, because it was one with authority, not as their scribes. And they were amazed at his preaching, his teaching And that he cast out a demon. Right there in the middle of church, he silenced a demon and threw him out. And immediately, Mark likes to move you from one thing to the next. Immediately, Jesus left the synagogue, which means it's Saturday. It's the Sabbath day. It's the day of rest. It's the day of gathering around God's word and hearing it and learning it. And having finished with church, they left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew, brothers they are, and James and John. Now, Simon's mother in law was ill with a fever. Simon Peter had a mother in law. Did you think about that for a minute? That means Simon Peter was married. Now, say what you will about The marriage of clergy and those who uh, proclaim God's word. But it seems as though Peter, who some attest to be the first pope, if you will, was married. At least he had a mother-in-law. And while this may not tell us much of what he thought about mother-in-laws, it does show us that he was married and enjoyed marriage. We don't hear much about his wife. We don't know why. Perhaps she had passed away. We don't know, but he has a mother-in-law. And she had it in a bad way. She was ill with a fever, and immediately, you see how Jesus is in motion. Things are active. Like your pastor running around on a Sunday morning right before a service. You know, he, Immediately there. He's immediately there. Immediately. They told him about her. He came and took her by the hand lifted her up, and the fever left her. That's what Jesus does. When Jesus encounters the effects of sin, he he lifts us up and casts them away. And he doesn't do it in a magical or mystical way by waving his hand over the spot. There are no magic words. There are no magic formulas. When Jesus confronts sin, he takes us by the hand. Jesus is a hands-on kind of Savior, and he lifts us up. He lifts us up to give us strength when we are weak. He lifts us up to stand when we would only fall. When we are dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ dies for us, raises us up, so that we can stand and live. He comes and he takes the mother-in-law of Simon by the hand lifts her up and the fever is gone. That effect of sin is done away with and it is such a thorough and complete healing. There's not even a convalescence time. There's even not even any time to recover. She immediately begins to serve them. What a hospitable woman. Sick with a fever, laying in a continuous fashion. She had been laying there for some time She's healed, and immediately she's waiting on tables. That's what Jesus does. He gives strength to the weak. He gives forgiveness to those oppressed by sin. He sets us free from death and the power of the devil. And he does it in a hands-on kind of way. Perhaps that is the that for which he had come out. What happens next? Well, at evening, at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. They waited till sundown because on the Sabbath day they couldn't work. And to carry the sick and the weak and the demon oppressed to Jesus before sundown on the Sabbath would have been violating the Sabbath. Jesus does away with that later on as well by healing and giving release on the Sabbath day. But then at sundown, the Sabbath is over, They bring the sick and the oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Beating down the door, they want what Jesus has for them. Little do they know that he has the greatest freedom, the greatest release for you as that continues today. The whole city gathers at the door and he doesn't turn them away. He doesn't say, I'm tired. He doesn't say, I'm busy. He heals the many. With sick, with various diseases, he cast out many demons. Because that's what Jesus does. When he confronts sin and the effects of sin, the power of death and the devil, he casts them out. He throws them out. And he silences them. No more do your sins accuse you. No more can Satan lay an accusation against you. Because Christ has spoken that you are forgiven that you are set free, that you have a new life. So the demons are silent. And even they know who he is. Just as we know who Jesus is, by the works that he does, by the words that he proclaims, we know who Jesus is, the Savior, the one who has power over fevers, power over illnesses, power over the devil. And next he performs another miracle. At least in my opinion, it's a miracle. He rose very early the next morning. (laughs) I can't imagine that. (laughs) While it was still dark. Does that sound at all familiar to you? Think for a moment. It's the day after Saturday. So it's it's very good. You can respond sometimes. Very good. Very early on a Sunday morning, before the sun had risen, he departed. Boy, that sounds a lot like Easter, doesn't it? Very early in the morning, the women came to the tomb, and he had already risen. Rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Friends in Christ, the Sabbath rest, the time to spend in prayer and in refreshment from God's word and to feed your faith is vital. Even your Savior Jesus took time in his busy work, the work of saving all creation, redeeming us by his blood, healing us from diseases and casting out demons, took the time to be refreshed. You cannot work seven days a week, 24 hours a day. God created a Sabbath not for his benefit, but for yours. Take time to rest. Don't just set aside an hour or two. Set aside time with your family to study God's word, to hear it, to pray with one another, to pray for one another. God created a Sabbath even before the fall into sin. Before we would grow tired and weary because of our work and because of the many changes and chances of life, he established a Sabbath. Take that Sabbath. This day you have gathered in God's house. You You have come beating down the door to the house where Jesus is, seeking him, seeking what he has to offer you, forgiveness and life and peace. True peace. Peace that comes in the forgiveness of your sins. You can come to him and you can say, I, I'm weary. I'm a poor, miserable sinner. I need life. I need healing. Make me well. And Jesus, he gives it. And he gives it with both hands. He gives it abundantly. He has more forgiveness for you than you have sins to commit because he has died for you and for all people. Yes, Jesus goes out to a desolate place and he prays. He prays to his heavenly Father. You can pray to your heavenly Father. I wonder what he asked for. I kind of brought that up with the kids. I wonder what he asked for. I don't know. Strength for another day? Healing for all people? Yes and yes. Some places in the Gospel we get a glimpse of exactly what Jesus said. He prays that we might be one even as the Father and He are one. He prays that we would not be lost or scattered by the attacks of the evil one. And Jesus still prays for us. Even today. He is our great high priest. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and He and the Spirit intercede for us. For those times when you are weary, for those times when you are overcome by your sin, for those times when you feel unforgivable, Christ intercedes for you. When you don't have the words to pray, Christ still is praying. Your brothers and sisters in Christ are still praying. And sometimes the greatest prayer of all is simply, God, I need you. Jesus went out to a place and prayed. Seems like it'd be a good idea. So we shall too. Simon and those who were with him went out looking for him. They found him and said, Everyone's looking for you. Let's go to the next town, for that is why I came out. The that, the why he came out, is for... Redemption. Redemption and refreshment for those who are weak and who are weary. Just as he said in Isaiah chapter 40, he gives power to the faint. To him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That is the that for which Jesus came out. To give you legs to stand, to give you stamina to run the race. Not for a perishable wreath that St. Paul talks about, but for an imperishable wreath, for the crown of everlasting life. Christ has come out to give you strength and refreshment and redemption for each and every day of this life and for the life of the world to come. You shall mount up on wings like eagles. A familiar verse, perhaps it's a confirmation verse. It's Julius's. It's familiar words, and they are comforting because he has come to give you strength for another day, for another week, for another battle, a battle that he has already won. He goes throughout all of Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out their demons. He goes out to the small towns, to the little towns, to the little places, to the LaGrange's, the Wellingtons, the Valley Cities. He comes to where you are. He comes to your house. He comes to bring you healing and strength and refreshment. And here in God's house today, He is serving you. These are your gifts. This is your life. This is your forgiveness of all your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And the peace which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.